Doctor! Oh, my word. It's the Time Lords. They're, they're breaking down the defensive mechanism. We've got to get out of here. Where can we go? Well, I know one place where we'll be safe. Paul to open. Paul to open. Yes, and what do you do? Well, nothing much. I expect they make me listen to a long, boring speech about being a good boy. They, they like making speeches. Well, I think it's time you left them again. Well, that's easier said than done. Here! Every single Time Lord. Oh, yes. Hello, and welcome to Pull to Open, the ongoing quest to watch all of Doctor Who in random order and occasionally take side trips, as we are doing this week, slightly connected to our watching Doctor Who in random order. My name is Chris Taylor. And I'm Pete Paschal. And please be patient, Pull to Open listeners. We will get to the war games. I know you were waiting for the war games. I know you were expecting us to talk about the war games this week. Confession, we're not going to be talking ex- a lot about the war games. We will talk a little bit about the war games this week, because given the subject that we're going to be talking about. But uh, our full podcast on the war games, it will be next week. We promise uh, but we're, today, we are going to do a little bit of a side trip to talk about something that features very prominently in the War Games, at least in the last episode, and that is Gallifrey. Time Lords, Time Lords and Gallifrey. Gallifrey. <laughs> oh, they kind well, of go together. It's like you know, <laughs> kibbles and bits, pe- chocolate yes. and peanut butter. You can't have one without the other. Unless you <laughs> have uh, Cybermen converted into Time Lords, I don't know, Then, then maybe. Oh, unless you're in the war games and you talked about the doctor's home planet that never actually gets named in the war games but mm. yeah it, it is it is definitely adjacent and it is it is useful to stop here i think at the war games because this is such a crucial moment for the show this is this is where everything changed this is the pivot right. point this is this is six seasons in this is Hartnell's done Troughton's done and we're finally getting the answer of who the doctor is and where he's from uh, right on the verge of the show potentially being canceled which yes. makes me think it's one of those <laughs> okay well this might be our last chance to do this guys let's let's actually <laughs> give some answers to the background of this show and the central character which is so great that they got to do that right so many hmm. shows don't and so many shows sort of fudge it and you know i think about quantum leap and the way that ended for one yeah. like we, we were all expecting a lot more explanation than we got in the final episode of that if this had been if war games had been the final serial of doctor who i i think we'd sort of still be talking about it as a great way to wrap up the show but instead it was uh the introduction of the time lords who are sort of slightly flagged within the war game the war games they mentioned in episode six we finally see them you know we hear of them in episode nine like it's a super Mm -hmm. we'll get to this you know when we talk about the actual story itself but it's like a sloop and super nice build up to the arrival of the time lords like you really feel their presence before you see them it's super ominous uh they, mm. They're able to slow down time. Like they really come across as gods. And then you get right. episode 10, uh, including the Doctor's Trial. So you see the gods. Yes. So it seems somewhat appropriate for a uh, kind of a timey-wimey podcast that goes in random order like we do to kind of talk about that ending first and where it went from there. Because we have done a lot of Time Lord and Gallifrey-based stories here it pulls yeah. open. Well, and I think we should open up with a bit of a premise, perhaps a thesis that we're going to challenge mm. uh, as what we're going to explore here, which is that is Gallifrey better heard about 
then seen. Mm. <laughs> you know, like, because this is kind of where I'm landing on it a little bit. Um, even though I think everything you said about the war games is correct and that first taste is kind of just enough. And it, I got to say, the way they did it really masks the fact that they're kind of running out of money. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, like they don't really, like the sparse sets actually work really well for, you know, a, a, a society of gods. They um, do. So, so that worked really well. So that taste you get might be, I wouldn't say the one time that Gallifrey worked, because I, I think we'll get into it, but there's other times the uh, decisions they made that were good. But for a lot of the time, they're a little bit of a disappointment, I think. Mm. Uh, you know, particularly in, I'm thinking of a pretty specific, but not not too few parts of the classic series. Yeah. Uh, when they kept coming back, you, you it's hard to not think that there's perhaps a bit of a diminishing, a law of diminishing returns that mm. that applied to when they kept going back to Gallifrey. And we're kind of in a good position to talk about this now because we have done the randomizers taken us to so many Time Lord episodes. Uh, we did the Deadly Assassin like a year and a half ago. Uh, mm-hmm. We have yeah. done a little bit of the Trial of Time Lord. We've done Hell Bent. We've done Day of the Doctor. Like we've we've done enough, and of course we we have also technically done Spyfall and the, the modern destruction of Galifrey. Right, right, and the Timeless Child or Children. Yeah. Or I always forget the title, exact title of that one, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they actually do go back to Gallifrey, and it's uh, kind of a ruinous wasteland. Uh, full right. of cyber time lords. What do they call again? I can't even remember what the cyber time lords are. I, the cyber they lords? Just the cyber, cyber masters. Why, why, cyber why, masters. Did I not, why did I not think of that? Yeah. Yes. Just like the master and the war master. Mm. Um, <laughs> they are the cyber masters, which time lords seem to like that name a lot. Um Surprised we haven't Masters, seen it. Lords, more. you know, mm. they kind of go hand in hand. That's a little, yeah. Bit of, they, uh, maybe, maybe the apple falling far from the tree is more the doctor <laughs> than the master, right? Maybe that's, indeed, yeah. indeed. But we'll we'll talk about that. We'll talk especially about the the pivot point of the deadly assassin, which I think right. becomes more clear as a pivot point after you see the war games, mm-hmm. uh, because sure. and as, and especially after you read the war games novelization, we'll get into that. Um, like the, there are many different ways that the Time Lords could have gone. Uh, Bob Holmes and the Deadly Assassin did take them in a particular direction. It sort of reflected the political cynicism of the 70s, but it may also have boxed Doctor Who in, in a certain way, um, mm. to where it was almost necessary for the new show to to kill the Time Lords off. Um, yeah, it's definitely a pivot point, for sure. Yeah. Um, and it's I don't, certainly do get something... Into it, or do you want to, do you want to go... Give a no, I think we'll 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 uh, we'll get into that when we get it. We should get some housekeeping first. But I will just say this is also like it's very huh, timely to talk about this now because <laughs> obviously RTD has to make that decision right as the new uh, old and new steward of the franchise being mm-hmm. handed the the sort of the destroyed Time Lords and the Timeless Children thing by Chibnall. Like, what's he going to do with it? Is he going to fully bring um, Gallifrey back or? Uh, you know, or what exactly? What exactly is going on? Um, but yeah. anyway, we will enter the matrix uh, and and discuss that, and hopefully the uh, Valyard will not step on our discussion too much. But first, we do have a little bit of housekeeping. This may be a side trip, but we uh, we want to briefly uh, talk about the uh, the feedback loop, and then uh, some some exciting Doctor Who news that we got this week, uh, and <laughs> yeah. are about to get. 
Well, let me just say, let's do like a really quick one-way feedback loop mm. in that, hey guys, this is Pull to Open. It's a podcast. And if you're unsure what you do with podcasts, you should subscribe to them. Not only that, reviewing the podcast is always appreciated. Leaving a review, and particularly in the Apple podcast app, really does help the show. We love interacting with fans by reading out uh, reviews on the air. Or if you want to say, leave a comment on one of the many places you could find us on social media. Our most active network, of course, TikTok. We're a TikTok pull to open on TikTok, all one word. We try to post videos there a lot. And we get a lot of great comments, a lot of great discussion around the snippets of the show we we take. Uh, but we also get a lot of great discussion on YouTube. We're at youtube.com slash pull to open. I will say I really love the feedback from our most recent side trip uh, when mm. we talked about, uh, oh God, what did we talk about again? Um, <laughs> we talked about rage quitting the show. Rage quitting the show. I and think that was a bit to... of a provocative topic. Yeah. And uh, there was definitely a lot of response on that. The The video was definitely one of our better performing videos. Um, very, uh, very interesting to revisit that when we're out of the Chibnall era. So we're sort right. of absent the sort of emotion and stuff we were feeling at the time. So it was good to sort of look back at that particular time in an intellectual way. But we talked a lot about Rage Quitting in the classic series, which at least one of us did. Uh, it definitely was a great discussion. <laughs> Go check it out. YouTube's a great place to check it out. Um, and of course, you can always respond to us like a lot of people did to our poll on Rage Quitting on Twitter. Right. Yeah. We put up a poll on whether you've rage quit or meh quit at any point. <laughs> and we had a lot of good comments on that and a lot of responses. And why don't we talk about what the final count is on that? Because we did that live when we did it, but we never um, we never got the final count because we were getting uh, results in real time. We were. And I think that the final results, like this is a hugely popular poll. We had 20 responses on it in terms of not, you know, many more people voting, but we had 20 people chiming in to talk about their own rage quitting. Mm -hmm. And uh, someone, uh, Mark Crockram, jumped in to mention we we left out embarrassment quit out of the poll. And <laughs> we, sort of, we sort of talked about that in the show. I, know, I think that's a subset of a mere quit. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's a subset of a mere quit. So, yeah, the final results were uh, in reverse order. Uh, we had 7.9% uh, say they both rage quit and met quit. 12.7% said that they, yes, they rage quit the show. 29.4% said they met quit. And a full 50% of our respondents said that they had been loyal to Doctor Who since they started watching it and had neither rage quit nor meh quit nor even embarrassment quit and we um, call those people liars no actually <laughs> i think this is this is a good indicator i mean honestly this is this is great to see and uh mm. reaffirming of like what what a cool franchise doctor who is because as you um sort of buy into it and learn about it and you realize oh it has this built-in reboot i think that gives you a bit a bit of faith, you know, that even if mm. you're not really particularly enthused about a season or a doctor, that it's going to come back around. And what you saw in the beginning, in the hands of perhaps uh, other people, might come back and might even be better than mm. you thought. And so that loyalty does get rewarded. Because um, I think I, I would, I again, nothing to compare this to right now, but it is like it's the 50 feels high to me for most franchises, right? Like, I think, yeah. some, you know, even if you think about recent ones like Game of Thrones or Harry Potter or whatever, you know, I think there's there's probably more people who quit and don't come back, but Doctor Who is a built in way for you to do that. 
Yeah, yeah, fifties. Fifties a pretty good percentage. I don't think I would have uh, guessed that. Uh, I think it also suggests that we have some really hardcore fans in our audience, but also <laughs> that our, our fans are like very, very forgiving of of Doctor Who at its worst, and and if they can't appreciate it at its worst, they they don't deserve it at its best. There to, you go. To quote a common social media meme. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. So we're, we're glad we're, we're all on the same page on that. Uh, thank and you that so much page, for chiming in. Of course, in. is pull to open sixty three on Twitter hey, and hey. Facebook and Instagram. Closing out the feedback loop. Nice. And we're back. And we're back. And we do have a little bit of uh, Doctor Who news to talk about mm. this week. We have new pictures um, of. Uh, hey, hey yeah. I was a kid. I didn't know what I was doing. All right, settle down. <laughs> We have new pictures of Pete. Uh, no, we, we have new pictures of Shooty and Millie. Yeah. Uh, in looking Regency re- costume. Yeah, looking very regal. Loving yeah. it. Yeah, which is, uh, I know a lot of people on Twitter looked at these pictures and they were like, oh, this is an out, like the doctor's just like not being in his costume. Like you put this together with the, the pictures of them in 60s outfits and you're like, oh, hey, well, wait, what happened to, to his costume? Why is he not wearing his costume? Like that, that's the first thing that, you know, everyone seems to talk about because the right. costume is so important to doctors. And um, I, I just love the responses that people had on Twitter that of like, oh yeah, the doctor's never been out of costume before. Or like you know, picture of I don't know that what was it, the Romans or the Aztecs or mm-hmm. like, you know you go back I mean, to Hartnell yeah even Matt Smith in a tux yeah. I mean, yeah or Peter Davison in his uh, in his uh, you know Harlequin outfit from huh? uh, Black Orchid we've seen that uh, costume totally. that got him into trouble yeah um, and he's got so this is now outfit number four for Shooty mm. and if for those counting. Um, there's the first one that they basically build as his, his outfit, right? Which is sort of the orange checker or, or sort of plaid pattern, um, mm-hmm. thing he has. Then they showed him in the orange leather. Uh, I don't know if they showed him in the, actually come to think of it. I don't think they showed him. That might've been a set shot. Mm-hmm. Like basically I, I forget, but basically they showed him in the orange leather and then they showed him in the sixties swinging sixties, uh, blue pinstripes. And now here he is in red velvet Mm-hmm. Uh, accompanied by Millie in a, a yellow dress uh, with sort of the long gloves. And yeah. uh, the gentleman's name, I believe, is, is it Todd Groff? Uh, Jonathan Groff. Jonathan, Jonathan Groff, Groff Sorry. of Hamilton fame. He he was the first uh, King George in the original Hamilton cast. Right. Yeah, you can tell I'm and... a huge fan. My, my daughter would know him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting that we have just been to the Saranga conundrum, Doctor Who's only mention of Hamilton, and now here here pops up uh, the first Hamilton star to appear in in Doctor Who, uh, looking fabulous himself. By the way, I think this is you know like, wh- whatever you think of the shots, you have to admit that this is this is a great example of how RTD is getting us talking again. Like mm. he can't reveal a lot about the next season obviously but he can reveal the photos he can get us talking about the costumes he can get us excited that jonathan groff's going to be in the show um and he can drop a little bit of a hint like i I really really liked the the caption that went with these photos it was something like dress to impress and and watch out for the duchess or something like that which Mm. has been kind of going through my head all week like i'm like who is the duchess why do you why do you have to be wary of the duchess like it's very very like it gets your head cannon going right so it's you know whatever else it is i think it's 
proof that RTD has not lost his ability to be master of all the Doctor Who media he surveys. Yeah, I like I like how he is able to do that with a word and get us all of us freaking out about this. And he does this with his column in Doctor Who magazine, but just the Duchess. Mm-hmm. And we sort of, I, I, to my, I don't think we've gotten a hint other than Mavic Chen about any baddie mm-hmm. in, and I think the Mavic Chen thing is probably just a mention, but it's like the, you know, he's, he's just with a word, he's given us revealed one of the, the villain or villainess is of, of mm-hmm. season one of, of Shooty's run, which is very, very cool. Um, it's fun. Speaking of the red velvet, um, yeah. it's funny. The, uh, the there's been going around on Twitter as well that he's not the first doctor to wear red velvet. For sure, yeah. We we I actually uh, did retweet this on the Paul Turbin account. Um, the uh, that that amazing picture of like Pertwee, Capaldi, and Gatwa in <laughs> in what essentially looks like the same red velvet jacket. Like once yeah. you see it in that context, you're like, oh yeah, this this is fully in the mainstream of what Doctor Who has been, even though he's, he's getting a little more, uh, more fancy costumery with it. And did you uh, see that our friends at the Doctor Who show, I think this was Rob who re- replied with a screenshot clearly from the twin dilemma where <laughs> Colin Baker is trying on outfits and sure enough, and oh. it, it's probably the same one that Pertwee's wearing, but he's there is a, a scene in Doctor Who where Colin Baker is wearing red velvet. Oh so my goodness! We got, if only we got he's a, stuck with that. Yeah, only a total, <laughs> yeah, really, right? It, well, we have a total of four now, four Doctors. Well, in the once this is broadcast, four still still at three, yes. but we know it's going to happen. The red velvet four, as they will surely be known in well, you, got, you got a barbershop quartet there right <laughs> nice yeah the barbershop quartet of doctors I'm, I'm looking forward to that being a uh a perhaps a big finish audio <laughs> uh yeah that could, that could be good we'll throw in some music uh, it'll be good let's do it i mean i know they have um uh i think john pertwee's son doing his voice now for mm, some of yes, those exactly I, uh so yeah and we know he can sing because he did that novelty single oh <laughs> of the uh of i am i am the doctor i believe it was called before before the murray gold version um nice yeah yeah so anyway very very excited to see that we will possibly by the time you're listening to this have a trailer a mm. new trailer that is supposed to drop during Eurovision. I think it might be a little after this post because mm. this is going live on Saturday and Eurovision is on Saturday, but right. there have been teasers dropping for the last week or two. The, mm. And they're really weird. I mean, they're really, uh, you know, we were talking before the, the, the taping, they're really Black Mirror. Very, very Black Mirror, which is definitely the way you would go if you're thinking about building a modern doctor who mm. and uh what what are people into these days well we're about to get the latest season of black mirror you know that that's obviously very successful science fiction that has a very wide audience why why not do that a little bit doctor who's never really done that well i don't know if like i don't want to read too much into it right maybe mm. they're just being really cutesy and clever with the marketing campaign because mm. But it would be really cool if this sort of redacted thing with mm. everything sort of going uh, haywire. Yeah, everything goes yeah. a bit glitchy yeah. you know, on the screen. And, and somehow that ties into what's uh, what they're going to do in, in, in the 60th anniversary special. Because um, mm. it is cool and it, it, it does get our minds going. And even if it isn't that, um, yes. they should do that. They should absolutely do a Black Mirror, what's real, what's not, digital 
uh, life amplified with Doctor Who in in some way, and better than the time they did the something in the Wi-Fi. Mm, yeah, yeah, for, for sure. It's uh, definitely a, a better approach. It's certainly a better if you contrast it with the marketing of the Chibnall era, which was almost non-existent. Right, like this is definitely doing the job. But also, if you're following the Doctor Who strip in um, in Doctor Who magazine, which is mm. now canon, let us not forget. Like, there's definitely we're definitely centering in that question of what is and isn't real. Yeah, uh, which may also answer the question of why Tennant's Doctor is now able to hang out with with uh, Catherine Tate with Donna. You yeah. know, without without blowing her mind, you know, we see more. That that is the one thing we see in these teasers through all those glitches. They are definitely together in the TARDIS, uh, hanging out with no problem. Um, you know, there are, there are not bits of Donna's brain all over the TARDIS interior. Like she seems to be fine. So yeah, maybe we are supposed to wonder uh, more than anything else at this stage about what's real and what isn't. Yeah, and I think there's there's definitely stuff to be mined there. Again, I I, I trust RTD on this because sometimes because that can be done well or overdone badly, which is to say, mm. not really knowing it's if it's a dream or a simulation or whatever, and then mm. um, sort of gives you a license to do whatever you want. But the key is finding meaning in this sort of virtual or non-reality that's duplicated somewhere. Um, yeah. There's been a lot of great examples in science fiction and doctor who even to, of how to do it right and how not to do it. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll cite just one, um, to, to throw out there again, uh, predicting that this is uh, who knows what it's going to be, but uh, I, I, for some reason, my mind is going straight to course oblivion in Voyager. Uh, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but it's like mm. where the entire crew is duplicated and they don't know their duplicates. And mm. then they sort of, it, it, it's a very, very actually, in my view, it's kind of probably a love it or hate it episode. I love it. Uh, but it is one of these things where the duplicated people ponder their own existence a lot Ooh, and what, yeah. what the meaning of it even is. Um, oh, uh, really, I love really that good when, stuff. when science fiction gets existential with it. I love it. I, I think, uh, you know, uh, Moffat kind of pioneered this perhaps with Extremis. Mm, um, yeah, you know, another yeah. episode that revolves around the same question. So I feel like we're only just beginning to plumb the possibilities of, um, you know, simulation or you know, the holographic universe that we may yet exist in that scientists can't prove that we're not mm-hmm. uh, in in a simulated universe ourselves. So it would make sense for for Doctor Who to play with that some more. Um, anyway, uh, more more to the point, <laughs> Doctor Who is back. It's exciting. RTD knows how to do marketing. He knows how to get us talking about it. He knows how to get your friends who are only casually into Doctor Who talking about it. Yeah. It's it's good stuff. It all it's, it's bodes back, well. It's but it's back seven months out. Like I yep. mean, I hope this is just portending st- more to come because I hope it isn't like we get a teaser in Eurovision and then nothing for like six months. I mean, I, mm. you know, let's let's keep it keep it going. I mean, at least we'll always have Doctor Who magazine with the comic strip, so there's that. Yeah, uh, but yeah, man, we'll have that. Back. We'll definitely have RTD throwing out the seventeenth word on page three of every one of his scripts. So what he what he really loves to do in that column is always like, oh yeah, you know, and I'm just typing up the last page of the final script of the next season, and the you know, and it has the word orange in it, like <laughs> something like that. You know, he'll just he knows how much that tickles our brains as Doctor Who fans. Uh, so well, well done, sir. Well done. Well done indeed. Okay. So, well, uh, 
I Speaking of tickling might... our brains, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's tickle our brains with Time Lords. Let's tickle our two hearts with brain. No, I had something there, but it, I lost it. No, we got to get right to, the, to the meat of the discussion, which is uh, what we're yeah. going to talk about, which is Gallifrey and Time Lords and what that has meant to Doctor Who. And again, mm. like I say, I think it is here's my premise on what I sort of just to sort of re- restate what I was sort mm-hmm. of talking about there. I think for a lot of Doctor Who that Gallifrey is better heard about than seen. And it sort of functions better almost as this legendary place that the doctor's from that has mastery of time travel. Um, uh, Because when you see it and if it's not, it's, and if it's in the hands of a writer that isn't trying to do something interesting with it in the way Bob Holmes was, because I think Mm. the exceptions to the rule I'm sort of, coming up with right now are in fact the war games and the deadly assassin. Those are the biggest ones right. in my view, but every other time they go back, it just seems like they, they kind of don't know what to do and they just sort of fall back on, Oh, it's just some planet somewhere. And it, it, like the one that really sticks out to me. And I know we haven't done it for the podcast. That was arc of infinity where it's, it's really like they go back and it's kind of like, you know, an eighties office building or a hotel and it just feels really <laughs> bland and, and uninteresting you know yep. and they're just like regular everyday lasers doing regular everyday stuff and um you know yeah. a gallifrey should should provoke something in us it shouldn't just be kind of like oh okay eh, they're back there i it, guess it should and you know as as much as as bob holmes is sort of exempt from this i think part of part of the thesis here is that the deadly assassin kind of made as great as it was as a story it kind of sent us on a track where the time lords this fusty corrupt old society that is ripe for you know invasion as we get in the invasion of times we saw recently and they're, they're sort of they're not likable and uh you know it sort of be- seems to become increasingly clear that the doctor left because he kind of didn't like this arrogance of the time right and this and this potential for corrupt and lazy behavior whereas the original you know and and this is definitely the the right time to talk about it when we're looking at the war games because the original time lords in the war games are just they're kind of presented as infallible Mm -hmm. they're kind of presented as gods and it is kind of presented as heaven and and i wanted to kind of kick off this discussion by quoting a little bit from the very end of uh, the War Games novelization, the Target okay. novelization by Malcolm Hulk, because it has some extra dialogue that isn't in the show. Um, and it's really emphasized that the Doctor is talking about that he left because he was bored. Right. He left because everything was perfect. He didn't like living in a perfect society. He kind of introduce and this is sort of a, a almost a side quest the side quest right we could talk about the time lords and the daleks because it's in the war games that he introduces the time lords to the daleks mm. he's like hey I, you know i encountered this race they're kind of not doing uh, so good in the years they want to exterminate everyone maybe we should go after them yeah. and he could have says you know I think, I think his description is he obviously closes out his villain rogues gallery with the daleks yeah. and he says worst of all i think is the mm-hmm. actual line and so like they definitely, I, they definitely played that up in, in subsequent. And you years. could sort of headcanon that, right? I mean, we we headcanoned uh, Genesis of the Daleks. We a lot of people have they headcanon from Genesis of the Daleks is that is the start of the Time War, mm. right? 
uh, the, the Time Lord is doing this really provocative act of war of like, hey, Doctor, you go and go and destroy the Daleks before they even began. You know, maybe it actually all starts here at the War Games, right? So, you know, but again, something else to bring it all back here. But but let's let's just go to the the very end where the Doctor's complaining about uh, you know the the Time Lord's changing his appearance against his will. He's basically <laughs> it's a, doing potentially one of those horrible drawings. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you can't turn me into one of those drawings. They're barely even sketched out. Um, I've I've mentioned this I think before on the podcast, but there's a great YouTube video where someone puts in future doctors into the uh <laughs> into the mm-hmm. into those instead of the drawings and i remember that one's too young is matt smith yes <laughs> and uh that one's too fat is colin baker you know? Aww, and, <laughs> colin. um and that one's too old is i think it's capaldi yeah <laughs> so, yep. yeah <laughs> makes a lot of sense and i i actually i would be totally down for retconning that like doing a special edition in the, in the official version of the war games <laughs> right just just uh just black and white them all um but yeah at the very end of the novelization um you know the, the last thing we see in the show is is the doctor said they have this you know stop he, his voice cried out you're making me giddy i won't have it you can't do this to me and then he fades into nothing mm-hmm and it says the image of the doctor's face spun faster and faster until it became a blur. Finally, the screen went blank and the doctor's voice was heard no more. Uh, and then here's this little bit extra. The accusing time Lords looked upwards. I think you, uh, the accusing time Lord singular. So presume the, the prosecutor, like it's never right. clear exactly Valiard. what kind of court this is. <laughs> Valiard, if you will, uh, looked upward. I think you did right. He would never have fitted in back here. Uh, hmm. And the final line is, I agree, said the great voice. It's a pity he would have brightened the place up no end. Huh. So here we have even huh. the Time Lords themselves admitting that they've got a bit boring. Not that they're corrupt, right. not that they're sort of out of touch, but they're just so perfect and so unassailable that, that they're boring. Hmm. So that is definitely not the image that you get in their next outing, the Deadly Assassin, right? Well, the next outing is technically the Three Doctors. Okay, yes, Three Doctors. So that's, you know, we see Time Lords in between then, of course, because they boss mm. uh, her tweet. Oh, yeah, technically next next outing is Terror of the Autons, right? Yeah. Somewhere else we've been where we get the bowler hat Time Lord. <laughs> yeah, we could float in space <laughs> and just sort of levitate. Um, I, where's that technology? Let's right more of that um <laughs> but then yeah the three doctors where they are probably still somewhat godlike but only godlike godlike but in the sense that there is something that can still challenge the gods um, right because they're not obviously in a great place with omega um mm. doing whatever he's doing i forget exactly what it is we haven't done three doctors for the podcast yet. <laughs> right um, right yeah, that's the missing draining, link. He ends up draining their power or something like that. Mm-hmm. So. But that's that's almost. I think you're right to say like that. That's the gods being challenged from within by another god, essentially. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and it's only one bit, of their own. They give you more. Hmm. Uh, well, not bit by bit. There's only one. I think piece of Gallifrey lore, other than I guess there's the time ring in the Genesis of the Daleks, but mm. they actually say the name Gallifrey for the first time in the Time Warrior. Which is kind of right. a, a random thing because it has nothing. Obviously, has nothing to do with Gallifrey and, and Time Lords. It's just the Santarin wants to know where the Doctor's from, and they decided that they wanted to throw out this name. Um, 
Yeah, is no. that where we t- he talks about the the thing that was referenced in uh, State of Decay? Uh, I believe he talks about like the old man on Gallifrey or something like that, or or is that where he talks about orange skies, or silver screen, silver trees? Oh, I can't remember if he does any more there. I do know yeah. he talks about the hermit on Gallifrey in the yes. Time Monster. Yes, yes, that's that's, that's, that's the one. one when he's imprisoned with uh, Joe. So yeah, I think and that I think that, that's then what he's referencing with Romana in um, in uh, oh god the yes. <laughs> The yeah. blood, no stones, no. I keep going to stones of blood or full circle. Or, no. Yeah, there's all these little bits that are strewn about. <laughs> Obviously, State of Decay has a bunch, but State the, the the deadly assassin is is such a huge pivot point, and yeah. it's one of these things that it's such a pivot point. It's basically a retcon before a retcon mm. sort of thing, which is like, oh, you know what? The Time Lords aren't really as godlike as you think, and they have a very flawed society, and we just didn't see it. Um, and one of the things I like about that one too, I said before, which unfortunately they didn't really follow through on is that the doctor's just a dude, like he's mm. just a guy and that the, he's kind of seems to have been a bit forgotten about, even though I'll admit within the continuity of the show, that doesn't make a ton of sense since he just saved them and the whole universe and the three doctors. Mm. But I, I do kind of like the idea of this Gallifrey where they're so either disinterested in what what's even going on in their own society and they're, they're corrupt. Uh, and, and also just like the idea of humanizing the doctor that he really, he really does have to be like doubly so on his, uh, you know, on his wits and, and be and mm-hmm. outsmarting the, the people around him on Gallifrey yeah. because he has no other advantage of re- regeneration and his wondrous technology or just the norm there. Like everyone's got yeah. it. So that's interesting to me. Yeah, and it it definitely Deadly Assassin also does start this sort of incongruity of the rules seem to change around, for example, bringing companions to Gallifrey. Oh yeah, uh, which is that is a retcon of the War Games, right? Because Jamie and Zoe were allowed to appear on what later becomes Gallifrey, the Doctor's home world. That's well, definitely where they are. You, you could interpret it in a couple ways. You could interpret it as a retcon, mm. that's fine. But at the same time, they did force them to go back and erase chunks of their memory, mm. um, which is really sad if you think about it. Um, yeah. And but, but not fully erased. Like we, we often sort of misremember the war games as like they fully erased all the time of the Doctor. No, they still have the memory of the first adventure. Yeah, you know, Highlanders I mean, will in space. They they kind of forgotten the bulk of their friendship, mm. which yeah. is such a you know it's it's bad. Um, it, it definitely was a bad taste in your mouth. But mm. I think you could interpret him leaving Sarah, you know, either as a retcon or he just wanted to dump Sarah, which has been, uh, <laughs> you know, something we've talked about and others have talked about. Yes. Or, Sorry, I left you in Aberdeen. Or yep. he is thinking about what happened to Jamie and Zoe and doesn't wish that on Sarah, you know? Yes, yes. I like that. I wish that had been more clearly flagged. Uh, but <laughs> clearly he doesn't want to protect Leela from the possibility of having her memory erased. Yeah. Uh, well, there's, in there's, Invasion in, of now, Time. In Invasion of Time, which has, mm. has issues, don't no question. Now, I like Invasion of Time for the reasons I said at the time. Mm. That was only a few weeks ago at this point. Yeah. Um, but I will admit it's the l- lesser of the Gallifrey adventures between that and the Deadly Assassin uh, in the Tom Baker mm-hmm. era. And um, the, a lot of what 
they do with Gallifrey isn't necessarily interesting because it's Gallifrey. Uh, It's sort of interesting because it's sort of this, um, because of the corruption there, it's sort of this Mm. fascist state in waiting that could fall prey to any number of uh, cosmic threats if it were ever Mm. vulnerable. I think that's that's kind of a lesson, but uh, I don't know if the the Time Lord stuff uh, is is as relevant as say it is in say Hell Bent, right? Like if you contrast yeah. that with Hell Bent, where there's a lot of Time Lord lore and aspects to it, whether it's Tardises, whether it's regeneration, whether it's like the Cloister Wraiths and stuff like that, that's mm-hmm. on full display. There's kind of almost too much of it in Hell Bent, really. Like yeah. it's they kind of needed to focus that in a little more, but. Um, I think I think you could definitely get more Gallifrey flavor uh, aside from just sort of the the weird headdresses that uh, they have. You kind of do, and it's I mean, here's here's the question: Is did, did the Deadly Assassin is sort of venerated uh, for good reason? You know, it's it's a good story within itself, and Bob Holmes obviously one of the most venerated Doctor Who writers. But did it did it make a mistake? Did it sort of like it, it was it was the mid seventies, and mm-hmm. it was super hard to do anything that like didn't reference Watergate uh, and Vietnam and sort of this general lack of sudden lack of trust in, in government and uh, you know, the fusty old dudes who've been running everything. So it makes sense that they would do that. It sort of makes sense that they'd introduce the CIA, right? And that, that was deadly assassin, right? That they introduced the celestial yeah. intervention agency. And guess what? It just had to be called the CIA, which everyone was super concerned about in the seventies. We discovered all the bad shit CIA had been doing for years. Um, well, I got maybe say, like because we were just talking about Russell T Davies mm-hmm. getting her head counting going with those trailers. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I think the CIA and the invention of it is a masterstroke in that mm-hmm. it's one of these things that not only explains away the in-universe reason for why the Time Lords keep bossing around the doctor to do things when they say they don't do things. Mm. Um, but it also just gets your head kind of going so much like, Oh wow. So this thing, what, what are the other things this thing's up to and what is their agenda? Who's in charge? Like it, it just, uh, and they, they've done way more with that in like other media, like big right. finish and, and novels and what have you. Uh, but I just think it's, it was such a genius move to sort of make that part of the system um yeah yes that pe- perhaps it was a little too on the nose to call them the cia and i think uh, mm-hmm. you know you, you saw this with with timeless children and flux um in which you know it's division that has been right. doing all of the the bad stuff right because i think uh Chibnall probably summarized probably correctly that in this day and age you can't really have a tv show with the cia and pretend that those initials mean something else Hmm. you know too too on the nose audiences too maybe i i kind of don't mind that politics of the time is reflected in the show and i think you could do that differently i would say that that isn't what's reflected in say later episodes like Mm. arc of infinity and what's kind of missing and maybe that's what i kind of want more of uh again i don't want like overt uh politics uh you know literal so like orphan 55 type preachiness (laughs) preachiness <laughs> I, that's not what i'm asking about that, that saying is good i'm saying like if you wanted to reflect um sort of what whatever sort of happening in the world and in the 80s you know you could have used arc of infinity to make some kind of point about thatcherism or mm, um mm-hmm. reaganism you know, yeah reaganism mm-hmm. or the cold war 
you know, if there were, there was, you know, again, that would be an entirely different story. And they, they definitely had things like that with uh, Warriors of the Deep and whatnot. But mm. um, I think the opportunity that maybe uh, Bob Holmes uh, unleashed with Gallifrey is to sort of make something, a point about either world politics or British politics uh, and, and the power structures and, um, you know, the corruption involved that... Mm uh you you could keep running with and i think they they sometimes have occasionally kind of got a little lost in gallifrey itself and you know the the doctor's past there and i think that's a very tempting thing to do because obviously he's a very important person in gallifrey society now but i think this is a way to maybe get gallifrey back to being relevant is is mm. have it have have something to say about yeah you know your uh, your homes, uh, the, the the government there, and and the the politics yeah. there, and how it intersects with culture and what that means, especially with something super powerful. I guess it's it's hard to kind of do that with the modern world without it being seen as either a proxy for the United States or mm. the United Nations or something. But I, you know, I, I think I think you could do it. But there's definitely a way you can see like an alternate future for Doctor Who coming out of the war games right in which you just don't in which we just don't see gallifrey that often and uh you know for a while until the deadly assassin it was very much a case of you know other than the three doctors you know it's mostly just like a time lord appears and gives the doctor a mission right and and then gets out of the way of the plot um so it seemed like that that was the that was the mold that was broken with the, with the deadly assassin and perhaps a little bit with three doctors as well. Um, well, but you know, yeah. Does it, does it make more sense to just keep the time laws like out, out of it as much as possible and keep them as this otherworldly entity? Well, this is where I would sort of complete the thought. I sort of began at the beginning of the discussion, which is um, if you fast forward to the new series where, for the longest time from the beginning of it till day of the doctor, you, you Gallifrey's gone. And yes, you see them yep. in the end of time, but that's still mm-hmm. four seasons in and mm-hmm. well, for, for, for connect to four and a bit, I guess for almost five, if you think about the specials is a yeah. season. So, and it has such impact when it appears. Yeah. But I mean, what it's talked about in the master trilogy and it, there's so much, uh, lore and suspense build up around it that mm. it just becomes this larger than life thing because you don't see it because mm. it's not there. It's like, and and honestly, this to me is kind of like Gallifrey's best era in the show as this yes. wistfully remembered home of the doctors. That was, you know, you, you, when you think about things like that, you edit, right? It's all the good things. They were super powerful. Mm. They were did wondrous things. Um, they, they were, saw themselves as custodians of the universe and that did the best they could. And there were clearly wise, influential people that, uh, uh, that created the doctor we know by influencing him. Um, oh yeah. God, we miss Gallifrey. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And this is so it is something I've said for a while about you know like I've studied utopian fiction and dystopian fiction. Uh it's hard for us in this modern cynical age to accept utopian fiction, to accept the existence of a utopian society. And really the only way you can do it is by destroying it. 
<laughs> so that you can have it, you know, be nostalgic in retrospect. And that I think was, was RTD's genius and the whole genius of the time war and of having the doctor do this and like this multi-season arc effectively, yeah. uh, not even resolved by that showrunner, which I love uh, resolved by the next showrunner that the, the way that, um, RTD and Moffat tag teamed on Gallifrey, I think was brilliant. I think the time war was brilliant. The head cannon that unleashed. Wow. Mm. I mean, you know, big finish is only just really eaten around the edges of it, of, of all of the things that are mentioned as happening in the time war that really kind of belongs in your dreams and nightmares, right? It's total head cannon territory. Mm. I love it. And then I love the way that it was resolved in the day of the doctor. I think that that was, that was earned. Um, I think it was masterfully done and it really sort of set up something that we didn't get. And maybe this is the modern era mistake, the modern era sort of equivalent of like boxing yourselves in with what the time Lords are was that I think we found our way back there too quickly. Mm. Um, And if you look at, if you at the end of the day of the doctor where he talks about like everyone dreams of going home. Now I'm going home the long way around and you almost think, well, wow, this is almost like setting up the next 50 years of the show, right? right. The, the yeah. search for Gallifrey would be, could have been so much more. And it's played with a little bit, but... Yeah. You well, know, I, I, I don't know it, if I would have loved for it to take 50 years. I don't know if that's what you're but... Um, they, they but like that quickly, sense of yeah. like... Yeah. You know, it, it being a thing that you, you're longing for and you're searching for it, like keep it in that realm mm-hmm. uh, and you don't have to do what Chibnall did and destroy it all over again. Now, granted, we did get heaven sent out mm-hmm. of the, the whole confession right. dial thing. You sort of have to have the payoff of Gallifrey at the end of that. I did remember cheering at the end of heaven sent when we're like, oh my God, we're back on Gallifrey again. Hellbent, though, was such a letdown. Hmm. Uh, and gave us too much Gallifrey. Yeah. And I think it sort of created a situation where Chibnall felt that he did have to destroy it all over again. Well, heaven sent in most fans' minds is such a masterpiece that mm. it, it would have been hard to follow that up with something as good or even close. I, mm. I totally agree. It's weaker and suffers from, you know, a bunch of things. I mean, we did it. We did it for the podcast. Go check it out. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still don't 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 hate it. I, I think it's still pretty good. Um, did I? I actually check. I, should, I think I gave that one a Dalek. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was it's yeah. definitely improved on a second viewing. But there were so many issues, like you know, uh, yeah, Rassilon turning tail and running. We, we both gave it a Dalek, actually. Okay. <laughs> so well, yeah. So yeah. So <laughs> it improved. It definitely improved on a second viewing. I do remember that there were so many issues the first time around. I think was so relieved that it hung together as a coherent story. Right. The second time around. Um, but yeah, like I still can't get over the fact that that Rassilon is just like, oh, guess I'm uh, just gonna take off now. <laughs> you no. know. After him being Timothy Dalton and his, you know, his rage and everything we know about Rassilon is rage of wrestling yeah. so important well that's definitely and a way then the doctor just back. sends him off yeah. yeah 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 i guess he's that means he's out there and you can you can pluck him out of obscurity at any point uh you know rtd may may want to look into that wonder if he can get timothy dalton back 
Yeah, I, I think it is a bit of a, you know, not not quite knowing what to do with Gallifrey once it's here, particularly in the new series. I mean, the Doctor was already a hero in the old series. It was already kind of incomprehensible that they didn't have such massive regard and, and gratitude for this person that he wouldn't just be mm. like as legendary, if not more so than Rassilon. Um, but certainly in the new series, <laughs> like, like he, you know, he brought it back. He saved the whole of uh, the the Time Lord race again, right? Uh, but for realsies, you know, <laughs> like I mean, against the Daleks, and I don't know. It was just you you couldn't do what you would do. I mean, I guess you could always do whatever, but the whole thing in the old series where he'd become the president and they'd revoke it, yes. he'd become the president again and they'd revoke it. Uh, yep. It was just the end of the five possible. doctors. Yeah. 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 They, and you know, I, even in mysterious planet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It just, it, it's super weird. It's like, it's not, if you were to watch all the time Lord episodes back to back, you would definitely notice some weird yeah. uh, incongruity, some continuity errors almost in the way that they're being treated, in the way the doctor goes from, hey, you're the president, to we're going to put you on trial now for unspecified reasons, mm, even though right. we've already put you on trial. I think it is also important to remember, and this is this is something really shone through in the war games, because uh, I've never seen the war games before. I was I, been quite open about that this is the first time that i've watched it first of all i was amazed that the time lords came off as well as they did like the whole thing like you, you everyone's seen the regeneration scene so we've seen the you know the time lords in their super cheap costumes standing there you know sans mm. headdress um and, and you're like oh well this you know they clearly ran out of money you know and the war games wasn't well watched and, and you know maybe it they sort of messed up on the Time Lords in the first outing. No, they freaking nailed the Time Lords on the first outing, perhaps yeah. more uh, than, than all these other things. So you you got to use that as a jumping off point to question like, well, you know, uh, first of all, like what is important to the Time Lords? Over Doctor Who history, it seemed like the Doctor's theft of the TARDIS became more important. But no, what he was actually put on trial for that first time was was interference. Right. The theft isn't even mentioned. And in, in the novelization, it's made, it, he is brought up on both charges, and it is made more explicit that interference is more important. So I, perhaps that should have been the through line that they, that they should have kept, is like mm. they, they're just these, like they're perfect, but they just don't interfere. Like they're, they're Switzerland. They're space Switzerland. Yeah. And that's the problem, right? Well, this is, I think you're really touching on something that I think is an opportunity for either RTD or a future show showrunner to explore, which is what would a universe be like with an interventionist Gallifrey? Mm. Like, what does that look like? Because he, he, and I think that would be very interesting, very true to the, the history of, of the show and and like mm-hmm. respectful of like what the central dilemma is between this character uh and the tension between him and his um his home mm-hmm. um cuz they've you know they they've talked about it uh there was a period prior to their sort of we only observe era uh where they were interfering right and there mm-hmm. was a uh I think it's is it underworld I think it's underworld where it's the test oh, yeah. case uh it's basically the, the thing that the time Lords did that got them to stop interfering in things because they screwed Mm. it up so badly. And the only time I think 
uh, they they made the exception after that was like state of decay with the vampires right yeah um so but like it would be very interesting to think like okay like somehow the doctors influenced them but maybe influenced them not necessarily incorrectly but to do this interventionist thing again uh open the intervention anyway not just the cia and mm. Uh, there are consequences to that. And then sort of this begins some kind of season long arc of um, dealing with it. Uh, yeah. I mean, argu- arguably the time war was the result of the ultimate intervention. Right. Of like, totally. Eh, I guess we got to get rid of the Daleks now. Uh, well, that kind of messed everything up. Um, yeah. But that is, that is very interesting. And I, I should also like, I don't feel that we can go too far into this discussion without uh, referencing the big finish series, Gallifrey. Um, yeah. which I have to say, I, I haven't listened to a lot of it listened to some of season one. Um, we, we did have a super big finish fan on a, on a live TikTok uh, fairly recently talking about how, how great the, the, the overall season arc is. It's, it's actually one of the, like, if I were to sit down and I had to listen to like 10 big finishes, I would probably, <laughs> someone, if someone had a staser to your head, <laughs> and you if I, listen. yeah. If I had to listen to Big Finish, and maybe we will do this, like once we've gone through all of the uh, the the shows in random order, right? We move on to Big Finish. <laughs> Tune in, but in Gallifrey, 2031, everyone. <laughs> yeah, come back when we're <laughs> old and gray and looking through. But what Big Finishes haven't we done it? No, but oh, yeah. I, I come would back listen for us being old and gray. That's right. Come back. For That's that. right. Not today, clearly. One day when we've lost our youthful sheen. Um, no, I, 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 I'm really interested in the Gallifrey series, especially in the, the mm. fact that the later seasons, they, they kind of back into the time war, right? We start mm. to get glimpses of it. I love that. I really want to hear more about that, want to see more about that. Like the, there, is, there is definitely stuff that you could do, but I feel like it is better treated if you, if you don't have this sort of automatic assumption that we get from the Deadly Assassin onwards, mm. that Time Lord Society is sort of inherently corrupt and stupid and ignorant and and lazy like if we have a bit more of the perfectionist but the question is do you intervene or do you not i feel like that will be more reflective of the 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 political moment right and if if you sort of see gallifrey as a stand-in for america america's had that issue as well like when does it intervene in global conflicts yeah, and I think that's kind of what I was getting at a little bit with the poly- reflect the politics of the time because the politics of mm. the seventies was such an awakening, not just in Great Britain, obviously in the United States, huge. And I think the reverence for these institutions and these positions really started to crumble with you know the mm. whole Nixon uh, administration and, and resignation and all that. Um, but that's very then, and today I think there's a much more realist slash cynical look but i think within that there are opportunities and um some politics like there's an authenticity now uh that that is better uh, that politics is better served by this this authenticity that you have um Mm. i'm not really expressing this very well but they're basically the politics of today are a lot different from the politics of the 70s people behave Mm. differently and the trust in the institution is probably just as fraught, but for different reasons. And I think to show that uh, in, in a ref- reflected in a Gallifreyan society, I think would be really, really good. And I think they have an opportunity to do that. I mean, not an opportunity, but like this, like we said this at the time in Hellbent, the statement they were making of a Gallifreyan time lord who's this old white dude 
regenerating into a younger black woman. Mm. Um, what was, I think, you know, kind of very symbolic. And I think yes. that could be used in some ways as opening the door on this kind of perspective on it. So do it, do it. Like, go ahead, bring Gallifrey back RTD, but renew it. Give us modern politics, new issues, but do it in a way that's true to the show uh, and yeah. its history. And I think it's all doable with some, hopefully some of the ideas we have here. So again, call us. Yeah, call us. But yeah, I, th- I think you're absolutely right that the politics has changed. And in the 70s, I think the feeling was, was trust in government is too high and we need to bring it down and right. look at all this bad stuff that they've done. And and you know, look at Vietnam and how how could we trust them again? I think today you have the opposite problem of trust in government is too low, uh institutions are too fragile. Uh, you know, definitely in the wake of January the sixth, like, you know, the American government is not doesn't look yeah. as solid and I don't as want it to get, was. get too much into sort of literal Gallifreyan politics and elections mm. and whatever, but you know, the the ultra polarization we have today and its effect on government, because you have extremists now on both sides that want to essentially demolish the government or mm. render it utterly ineffective. Um, and again, I'm not judging at all in terms of like which side's wrong or even that perspective is wrong from either side. But it is like that is an interesting thing to explore if yeah. one side gets the upper hand and yeah. uh, sees Gallifreyan, their come true. A Gallifreyan, an, an actual Gallifreyan election. Uh, for yeah. president would be interesting. Instead of the, the doctor just walking in saying, I claim the right, is anyone going to oppose me? As he does in Invasion of Time. And everyone's like, oh, guess you're the president now. Uh, like, no, that doesn't ring true. Someone would set up a campaign. Like We didn't even get to talk about this when we were talking about the Invasion of Time. There were so many other issues. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like why not? That would be super interesting dramatically to have a Gallifreyan election. Perhaps you have one side that is much more uh willing to bend the truth than the other you know one that's more cynical or you know one that one that sort of demonizes the shabogans maybe and (laughs) (laughs) like you know we've got to stop shabogan immigration like you know they're not sending their best um you know that that could be interesting and reflective of modern politics but yeah why we've never seen that maybe they could finally address the scene into the future thing that's brought up in the trial of a time lord so that mm. the moment you call a snap election they cut off the time window <laughs> into the future or something or they can't, you can't see the outcome of it yeah nobody can access the matrix uh for three weeks before the election uh <laughs> kind of it's it's the quiet period it's like the you know the the sec imposed quiet period before uh before a stock launches um yeah <laughs> be good. so many interesting things that you do and i feel like we've just again and again gone to corruption 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 at the time oh look the valyards right. is actually you know uh you know this evil future version of the doctor and you know, which again, interesting, not fully explored. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, not entirely clear. We've, 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 and we've seen enough tyrants, right? Like that was the mm-hmm. thing about Rassilon, and I think part of why going back to Gallifrey was a bit of a disappointment. Um, in that he's he's this tyrant that mm. he he ends up like that's not what Gallifrey ever was, really. I mean, if you think about mm-hmm. it in any of the depictions, it was always um even with the godlike stuff, it what didn't seem like people were, you know, there wasn't much society shown, but people were like living in fear or whatever. And mm-hmm. and all the other ones, it's it's seems democratic on some level. 
and there's a president, but he's not revered as a god. And then we kind of go back to this ultra simplistic view of it. Um, mm. So it's obviously been wiped clean by Chibnall, and there is a, a big blank canvas for for RTD to fill in, and you know, maybe yeah, he maybe and, he won't. And and it's it's interesting. So the idea of the Doctor, just to take it back to. I'm going to, I'm going to tie it all together here and mm-hmm. take it back to, to that thing at the end of the novelization of the war games where the, the time Lords are like, Oh, it's a pity. You know, he really would have brightened up the place. No end. Right. Um, but we, we've never really got to see what the doctor's version of Gallifrey would look like. Mm. Now there is a big finish. I believe where Peter Davison goes back and actually, serves as time lord president right i think it's called time in office yes which i listened to thoroughly enjoyed oh really um yeah yeah I, you I know i heard that one I, again like i i'm super into like when when i, when I make my few big finish decisions <laughs> i definitely go in a gallifreyan direction i don't listen to big finish often but when i do <laughs> but when I do, well, it's yeah. about Gallifreyan politics, yeah, and and yeah, interesting representations of it. Like perhaps that is something that the new show can do. It it did sort of like a big part of the reason that Chibnall's destruction of Gallifrey didn't land for me, and perhaps for a lot of people, is like, what would the Doctor do if she found out that Gallifrey was destroyed? Would she just sort of mope about in the TARDIS? Or would she like head there immediately and do what she could do to fix it and save those burning buildings? And maybe, maybe if the master's destruction is a fixed point in time, maybe you can't mess with that, but some way you can mitigate it or rebuild it. Yeah. And that would give us an opportunity. And maybe we still have that opportunity to see what a doctor driven utopian Gallifreyan society would look like. Uh, what if the doctor did brighten up the place? No end. Uh, you know what? What you know? If if the Doctor did take on the mantle of leadership in the actual show, not just in Big Finish, um, hmm. yeah, you know that this might be just the sort of situation that would encourage her or him to to actually do that. And I I really think it's a missed opportunity, and we'll yeah. we'll see if it continues to be missed. Well, and I got to say, I mean, I, not to pile on the decision more, but you know, it's kind of what we do here. Mm. Um, that the <laughs> The destruction of Gallifrey and her reaction to it, uh, why it didn't land, uh, you know, what you said there, so true, but it also, like, it, it's clearly done in such a way that Gallifrey just feels like a prop in the Doctor's life, right? There's, yes. like, there's no reality to it without a deeper reaction, because even in the classic series, the, the Gallifrey played some kind of role in the cosmos that was mm. important. And then with it with it gone, that is touched on here and there in the new series a lot. Like there was, there's something even Tennant says in I think Rise of the Cybermen when they go to another to the the other universe, and he's like, "Well, yeah, there's a whole multiverse, and you know, used to be in the old days, the Time Lords would would police it, and you know, there'd be mm. you know these gateways and whatever, but all gone now." You know, it was just kind of like, you know, again, that wistfulness about Gallifrey that really worked in that time. Right. But, it, you know, doing going to destroy it again in the Chibnall era, like, isn't there anything made of the consequence? Consequences beyond what how it affects the doctor, you know? All we mm. see is, like, how it's affecting the doctor. Again, she just mopes around. There's no appreciation mm. for, like, 
to your point, like one, can you do anything about it? Uh, but two, what are the consequences here beyond yep. that? I feel sad, you know, like, um, <laughs> uh, it's just, so, which makes the whole thing just feel not really real. Right. It's not yes. really part of the mythology in the way that it should, it should feel. Yeah. I mean, at least go like check in with a shadow proclamation or something like give us, give yeah. us a sense of like, what, what is the political situation in the galaxy now that now that Gallifrey is gone, it's surely yeah. generating some instability there. Um, yeah. Surely there's a power vacuum that can be exploited. Perhaps a literal uh, vacuum where that high of harmony was. <laughs> I don't know if they ever really talked much about it, but anyway, mm. done in the past or the future. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah, but we so we definitely want to know what you, yeah. the listener, think about this. I think I, I think we we should probably put up a poll after we record this uh, to go up with the show, uh, and where you can tell us like what version of Gallifrey do you prefer? Um, you know what what makes which, more which sense Gallifrey from the show is the best Gallifrey. <laughs> <laughs> is it godlike Gallifrey? Is it political corruption yes. Gallifrey? Is it legendarily uh, gone? And destroyed Gallifrey, mm-hmm. or is it uh, tyrant ruled Gallifrey of Hell Bent? Yeah, or destroyed again Gallifrey. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so many options. We could have the the Gallifrey Vision uh, song contest here. Uh, <laughs> see which which one sticks in your head the most. Um, yeah. But yeah, we we have uh, we have other ideas. Uh, Peach, is there anything else? Any other mode of Gallifrey that we need to talk about? No, but just um, did they? Who named the TARDIS? All right, was it Susan? Yes, or did you? Which is it? Why is it time in relative dimensions in space or dimension in space? Excuse me, it's singular. That's right. Uh, that's right. And how does it connect to the Sidrat exactly? I don't think that's entirely explained. I it's pronounced Sidrat. Sidrat, like <laughs> side quest that we're currently on. Sidrat. Um, that might. <laughs> what does Sidrat stand for? <laughs> right yeah, into which... pull to open enterprises set. <laughs> Ten zero eleven by zero two from Galactic Center. That's right in the constellation of Castabras. Um, no, yeah. but this is good. I think you know. I I feel good about this conversation because what we've done is I think unlocked sort of what's worked and what has it in the history of Gallifrey, mm. but like also the sort of a bit of the essence of why it can be interesting and how it can mm. be interesting going forward. So I really yeah. sincerely hope. Um, some version of what we sort of talked about in uh, looking at the show's history and then doing something interesting that is relevant to today uh, Mm. and is earned, not just tacked on or thrown in, uh, is what RTD or a future show, no no obligation, RTD. If you want to ignore Gallifrey, go ahead and do it and leave it to someone in the future. (laughs) Maybe it deserves another rest, but there's definitely an opportunity to be mined. Well, here's one more thing. Speaking of RTD and Gallifrey, uh, that we haven't mentioned, but we have been to Waters of Mars, right? The Time Lord Victorious, the notion that the Doctor, like if Gallifrey is gone, sooner or later the Doctor is may, may go a little messianic mm. and be like, no, I control the laws of time and space because I am the last of the Time Lords. Therefore, it's all on me. And even though he realized that one time that he'd made a huge mistake, um, maybe that is just sort of a, a thing that the doctor needs well maybe the maybe, doctor needs gallifrey to keep him honest yeah well maybe not just gallifrey maybe he needs a cabinet 
(laughs) (laughs) He needs a cabinet to bounce his ideas off of. So again, like maybe the victorious thing didn't work because he didn't have the checks and balances of the Gallifreyan political system. Uh, you know, right, right. Mr. President, and, you and probably that is, don't want to do that. <laughs> that is something else I think you see in the war games, and we'll get to this next week when we discuss it finally. But there is this sense that the Doctor almost wants to be caught. Mm, like he is encouraged right, right, right. by Jamie and Zoe to escape again. But he's kind of accepting of his fate. There's a little part of him that realizes, that, ah, I guess my my running away is at an end. You know, it's like it's like the kid who's run off with a knapsack on their back and gotten as far as the end of the block. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, and it, I think it's true to his motivation. And they didn't forget mm. about that. I don't know if they had this in mind, but remember we did the Doctor's Wife, and I thought mm. well, there's so much good stuff about the Doctor's Wife. But one of the best parts of it is his his genuine uh, conversation with, uh, uh, Amy and Rory, where she mm. asks him, you, you want to be forgiven, don't you? And he, he admits it. Yeah. Doesn't everyone like mm. he still kind of wants that approval. He still cares about what the time Lords think of him and his, his people, yeah. um, even though they're long gone, you know, he knows when to stop running away and he has, but we'll, we'll, again, we'll talk about this next week, but he's obviously been carrying around that cube in his pocket <laughs> yep didn't throw it away uh, he didn't throw it away he pocket. always it's had it pocket. it's that's in his thing. pocket yes. sees yes that's a yes uh, he, yeah. we know he only carries important things in his pockets like jelly babies and a piece of string uh, and a piece of string and a teddy bear and uh <laughs> but also this cube like he always had that you know he, yeah. he always knew like oh well i i guess i can always call mom and dad if if i get too far from home you know uh <laughs> you can always go back and just just assemble this cube with my mind yeah, let's let's not go over all the times you probably should have pulled that out. Otherwise, we'll be in a uh, Avengers situation where we, the Captain yeah. Marvel summoner was in your pocket the whole time. No, we're not going there. What we are going, guys, is into the ether very soon because we got to go uh, and get back to watching the war games or getting yes. ready for our war games podcast. Uh, but we're going to bid you adieu. Don't forget to follow us on the socials at either pull to open 63 on most of them but pull to open all one word on tiktok and please tell your friends about this podcast if they are into doctor who or even just casually into doctor who because uh, one of the best things you can do aside from subscribing aside from aside from reviewing uh, is of course sharing the podcast with a friend so please do we will see you next time uh, for the war games come on back we promise we promise it's next week it really <laughs> is really real for really realsies we're going to do yes it. we will see you next week in the 1917 zone and we will move on from there take care folks <laughs>